Hey everyone, JDB here. In episode 41 Falconia, we had on the founder of the Food for Solidarity campaign, which is attempting to become a DSALA working group. On July 23rd, the DSALA is having a vote to decide whether to let them in or not. Now, speaking for myself and not the rest of the struggle boys, and as somebody who's not deeply involved with the day-to-day internal workings of DSALA and is just a guy who throws them a few bucks a month, I am very, very excited to see what Food for Solidarity does. Not only are they dedicated to bringing food and socialism to underserved neighborhoods in Los Angeles, they're also gamers. Hi everyone, my name is Adriana Davila. My name is Rodrigo Saavedra, uh, aka Rolo. Uh, hi, my name is Kayleen Galvin. My name's David. Hi, my name's Tim Vermeulen. Hi, my name is Sergio Davila. I joined Food for Solidarity earlier this year. The reason I joined Food for Solidarity is because I think socialism should have an immediate material improvement component to it. I started Food for Solidarity together with a friend uh, back in September of 2017 because in my lived experience as an undocumented worker here in the U.S., when you're working two jobs, you know, 16 hours a day and you have to choose between groceries and rent, you don't really read a whole lot of marks. If we start addressing people's immediate material needs, we can create conditions through which actual worker and tenant organizing is possible. I wanted to get involved with Food for Solidarity because I wanted to do something that was tangible and direct. I've been working with Food for Solidarity since fall of 2017, and I joined it because uh, DSALA has provided a structure that allows for direct action to be an integral component of what we do. And like Sergio, I agree that it needs to be a component of any outreach we do to show people that we're not just about transactional voting, we're not just about single issues, but we're really building a, a vast movement connecting by webs of solidarity around material interests for real people. I particularly liked that Food for Solidarity was spreading the message of organizing working class people. Working class people really do deserve to live, not survive. I joined DSALA about a year and a half ago, but after hearing Rolla's appearance on Struggle Session, I threw all of my organizing effort behind Food for Solidarity. Why? Because this is the type of project I joined DSALA to work on, and the type of project that is going to be essential for the next phase of DSALA's evolution. On July 23rd, voting will begin to recognize us as a working group. If you are a dues-paying DSALA member, please support us. So for listeners who haven't heard our previous episodes where we talked about this, and for people who aren't aware of the internal workings of DSALA, what exactly is Food for Solidarity? So what Food for Solidarity is, it seeks to be a DSLA project that distributes groceries for about a year to a community that is food insecure. And distributing groceries isn't really our main goal. Our main goal is to try to engage them in political conversation in order to help the working class members of this community organize. Well, precisely. And uh We haven't just been talking about it. We've been doing work on this for months. We already have local organizations that we've identified, we've reached out, and which, after talking about this campaign, they've said, yeah, I mean, come over. We'd love to work on this together. I mean, uh, we have uh, at least three churches that have said, yeah, we we like the idea. And uh, one union said, we we love this. Tell us more about it. And the problem is we we haven't been able to follow up on it because we're not actually an officially recognized group of the SALA. So we can't speak for the organization in any way or form, therefore... We're trying to get recognition. We want to be invited into the community. We don't want to barge in there pretending like we know more than they do about their own community. 
We know that food insecurity is an important issue to tackle, especially here in Los Angeles, which has one of the largest food insecure populations in the country. One of the biggest social determinants of health is housing and food security. The areas we're looking at in Southeast LA have high levels of food insecurity, 30% and 12% extreme food insecurity. So how exactly is that political, though? Isn't giving people food something that say, a charity would do? So when we talk about these quote-unquote communities, uh, what we're actually referring to is a very specific area, Southeast LA. Neighborhoods such as uh, Vernon, Maywood, Bell, Huntington Park, Commerce. These neighborhoods are affected by food insecurity just to a tremendous extent, as well as housing insecurity. Like, this is... They're affected by virtually any, every ill you can imagine that arises from capitalist exploitation. They have a very low median income, 70% or so of them are tenants. When we're talking about getting the food, there's a couple different ways we could plug into basically existing infrastructures that capitalism has built uh, to distribute food. Uh, The most obvious one is is to sign up as a receiving agency for food banks. There's a bunch in the area, and we basically have to set up a legal structure that would enable us to give tax breaks to people who we're going to give. That's how the structure works. That's how the infrastructure is incentivized. We would uh, loop into organizations that are already receiving food and just sign up to be one of their partners to receive things like excess produce and other perishable food that's donated on a regular basis. We could also do things like food rescue at grocery stores and farmers markets, which basically cuts out the middleman in that if anybody's not part of that existing network. And again, same deal, the the way you get those people to give you the food is by offering them the ability to get a tax break in return. And then finally, we can purchase food, a set of dry goods that enable you to cook a variety of different meals, and in particular meals that are common within the Latinx community. So when you have the the organization that's receiving the funds, they'll basically just give whatever money or primarily food they've they've raised to uh, the 501c4, which is the organization that's allowed to be political but can't give out tax breaks. So we basically have our 501c3 partners, whether that's the DSA Nationals Fund or eventually our local partners, uh, receive it formally and then formally transfer it to the 501c4. Uh, And then that organization would also use those funds to go purchase the dry goods to form the base of those meals, augment that with the produce, assemble them into, into baskets, and basically distribute them out to people. And what that would actually look like is you you have folks uh, before the food distribution uh, just going up to the site you promote it with the local organization to make it clear that we're working with uh, a local org to to provide this service and we'd basically briefly explain who we are what we're doing which is sort of a short version of what we are talking to you guys about today and then after the distribution this is the really important part we just have an open discussion section uh, on a subject that the participants of the program have identified as important to them Again, we want to make sure that the focus is on the self-organization of the community. We don't want to tell people what to organize around. Rather, we want to listen to them, hear them, receive their opinions, understand their issues, and and see how we can help, how we can work together. I mean, that's what solidarity is. It's demonstrating the commonalities between various different groups of people who might not obviously support one another. And that's what this is all about, food for solidarity. And just to emphasize, we've designed the campaign so that all of the administrative and logistical work, the real leg work, will, will only need to be done by about 15 or so members. So we really don't expect this to be a significant drain on the chapter's resources. And, and moreover, it would actually help our, our cost 
to Hawkins repeal efforts because we strongly believe that as we're finding tenants organizing is, is something people care a lot about and they'll probably want to engage on that level with the infrastructures that DSA is working within for the Proposition 10 effort once we start engaging with people and having those political conversations and seeing what folks want to organize around. And lastly, I would reiterate that one of the reasons we have to do the fundraising separately from DSALA anyway, and one of the reasons why we're not going to really put any of the chapter's funds at risk at all, is because we have to rely on the fact that people will get those tax write-offs for the donations that they make to the 501c3 orgs, and DSALA isn't one right now, so we actually just couldn't structure it that way. We have to be outside in order to do the fundraising to make this program work. One of the points that's been raised in opposition to the campaign is that it's anthropological, that it treats the working class or that it treats the communities that we're trying to uh, help as just these passive recipients of help who can't help themselves and who don't know anything about socialism. And that's ridiculous. The point we're trying to make is that socialism is not a hard sell. We're offering a service and we're inviting people to organize. We want everyone to make sure that this is perfectly clear, that we do not want to barge in into any community. We are going to partner up with a local organization. I don't believe that white saviorism is happening here. First of all, I am a, a woman of color. I am a first-generation Mexican-American woman. So I know for a fact that if I go into a Southeast LA community, I'm not going to be looked at twice. I'm the co-chair of Food for Solidarity, and my brother, he's the other co-chair, and he obviously is also Mexican-American. He won't be looked at twice either. Uh, Rodrigo, he's also Latinx, and he speaks Spanish. Like we're all, we are all Latinx members. There's no way that we can be seen as white saviors. And to address... That sort of logic of saying, oh, I can't help this community because I'm white and I don't look like them, that, that logic doesn't really make sense. And here's why. If we were to only help people that look like us, white people would only be helping other white people, especially with DSALA. That just doesn't make sense. Food for Solidarity would focus in Southeast LA, which is a part of Los Angeles where DSALA is not canvassing. So we're hoping to actually complement that effort. I saw some opposition statements on the internet and, well, I, the last thing we'd want is for someone to be dependent and then they wouldn't be able to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, I read that too, and it's funny because it's such a right-wing talking point. At the end of the day, if you give somebody groceries, they're not going to be like, well, I can't work tonight because I got groceries, don't need to. That's not that's not how it works. We're, we're trying to alleviate a material need. The fact that like even just talking about that creating dependency is really frustrating because it is such a it's 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 a conservative it's a Republican talking point. That's not something that I think we need to engage with really. The campaign is gonna be doing all of the legwork when it comes to organizing fundraisers, all the things that you do when you're trying to raise money for a cause. We're gonna be doing all of that work. All the chapter is gonna to have to do is just publicize we are hosting a fundraiser. Publicize the fact that we've been reaching out to people about getting money. We're gonna be doing all the calls, we're gonna be sending all the texts, we're gonna be sending all the emails, we're gonna be organizing all the events. We are financially independent in order not to become a money sink for the chapter. Like we get it, like the chapter doesn't have a whole lot of money, which is why we're going to raise money through our own efforts. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about Food for Solidarity before we move on to our more important subject, which is video games? 
Yeah. So thanks so much for, for having us on. We, we really appreciate it. And to all the DSA LA members that are listening, uh, we thank you for your time. We really hope you check out our proposal. Everything is publicly available on the website. You can check it out. You can see what we're all about. You can read our proposal and you can see our budget and just take a look. We encourage you to ask questions, reach out. You can actually email us at foodforsolidarityla at gmail.com. And that's for like the number four. So food for solidarity la at gmail.com please participate we would love for you guys to vote yes and and allow us to continue this project we're really excited to bring socialism all over la and we hope this is just one small piece of that mosaic that we're all weaving together so thank you guys so much for listening to us and uh, we hope to get your vote rollo here again I've been reached out by a, a bunch of people from other chapters and by people from different organizations about this campaign and about the details, the legal framework, all that stuff, because people all over the country want stuff like this to happen. We're all gamers here, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's rare that you see so many gamer Americans united. I just finished Red Faction Gorilla Remastered, and now I'm getting into Octopath Traveler and Dragon's Dogma. I've been playing A Night in the Woods, and it's a beautiful game about how capitalism affects small towns, and it's super relatable and the writing is amazing and i recommend everybody play it it's on a bunch of different platforms so it's gorgeous it's really cute and overwatch i guess i played uh papers please endlessly over and over and over again and it puts you in what you think is not something a socialist would be put a supposition i mean you're, you're putting the feet of a border agent and you are analyzing you just look at the paperwork of immigrants and it is you are the door of destiny for them for a different life and it's amazing because you, the more people you let in, the more money you get. But if you let in anyone that doesn't have the right papers, you get a penalty. It's either your family literally freezes to death because you can't afford to pay for heating or you just send people to their deaths and uh, get the border guard to shoot them up and stuff. It's crazy. So I don't really play video games that much, but I, I do play I do play card games, though. So if anybody is in L.A. and wants to throw down on some Magic the Gathering, hit me up. I'm a pretty big gamer. I'm not even going to lie. I've been recently addicted to Candy Crush. And you already know I, I'm always down for a good game of Smash Brothers Melee. And don't even get me started on the Mario Party. I'm more uh, gamer adjacent. My cousin works at GameStop. <laughs> But, but I have been slowly setting up my Switch and testing out Batman, the Telltale game. So there's that. Go download Shovel Knight and go download Hollow Knight. Those are both awesome games. Sorry. I will be playing... What was it? <laughs> Shovel Knight and Hollow Shovel Knight and Hollow Knight again. I mean, soon. Yes. All right, goodbye. <laughs> All right, everyone. That is our episode. Please check out Food for Solidarity online. And if, you know, on July 23rd, you're an active member of DSALA, consider letting them into the organization. This is a working group that can do a lot of great stuff if you let them and can only do it with your help. All right, everyone. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.